Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning is from the prophet Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. My dear friends in Christ, it is an interesting juxtaposition that we have with Jeremiah and our gospel lesson from Luke. In Luke, we have a somewhat familiar thing where Jesus is preaching what we normally would call the Beatitudes. But Luke has a few different emphases than what we find in Matthew, where we find that extended list. I mean, Matthew records all of Jesus' sayings, but, but Luke wants to portray something different. He wants to portray the woes also that Jesus speaks. And so we have in Jesus' sermon, in his Beatitudes, the idea that there are going to be those who believe in him because those are the blessed, and there are going to be those who reject him, do not believe in him. Those are the woes. As you look at them, you know, it's not that being rich is necessarily bad. It's when you trust in your riches as opposed to trusting in God. That's a woe. It's not bad to have food to eat. We're all going to, I'm sure, be eating something special tonight for the Super Bowl. But when you make your belly your God, that's idolatry. And it's okay to not be weeping, but to seek out distraction to the point of letting it take over your life, that shows a, a lack of devotion to God and His Word. It's not bad to be praised, but to seek adulation, to do everything to be noticed is to be kind of like an Instagram influencer who gets paid for how many people see their videos. Notoriety is your God. Luke has woes in his Beatitudes. That doesn't mean that Matthew missed them, but that Luke wants you to hear them. Now, a woe is a condemnation. I know this is an outdated word for today. A woe, think of it this way, it is the opposite of a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with His favor and give you peace. That is a benediction, a good word, benediction word. And this is a statement of fact. It's not a wish. It's not just hope. The Lord will do these things because it is His benediction. But woes are something else. They also are facts. They will happen. The woes are a malediction. A bad word. They indicate that the Lord is doing this very troubling thing upon those who will not make Him their God, but seek out the gods of this world. There is no consolation from God when woe is pronounced, because woe leads to death, just like the prophets who were condemned, those false prophets under the law of God. Now Jeremiah, our text today, is the same. He warns us of woes to come. Cursed, he says, is the man who trusts in man. Now that is very much the same thing as speaking woe upon somebody. It's not just to know that a person is cursed, 
but it is a pronouncement of it. It's a condemnation. It is damning someone to hell. And who is cursed? The man who trusts in man. A man who trusts in man doesn't realize that their trust only goes so far as life. But death comes for all. You put your hope in someone, you love someone, someone who is dear to you, someone you trust, someone that's close to you, someone that looks like you, someone that acts and behaves like you. The problem is man is always going to let you down. And if you do this, it's kind of like a shrub that grows up in the desert. Shrub in the desert has no access to water. Sure, it might rain for a hot minute, but the water disappears and no roots are able to form. So when the heat and the sun come down on the shrub, it dries up and it tumbles away. I mean, think of the old westerns, right, with the tumbleweeds blowing through town. The shrub had held on for dear life, gasping for breath, but the wind takes it away, and it's a nuisance. We put our trust in another person, the one who seems to us to be God, but never quite is. We do this all the time. I think the first place we do this is with our parents. I mean, it's, it's where we all start out as kids, right? We look to our parents as if they are gods to us. They provide for our needs. We fear them because they can punish us. And we love them because of who they are and what they do for us. But your parent is always going to let you down. can't tell you the number of times that I've even let down my two kids just in the six years that I've been entrusted with them. I know what that's like. I can't tell you the number of times that I I do the wrong thing or I say the wrong thing and I seem to completely break their spirits when I get mad for no reason except for something that's going on in my personal life and my own stress. And I think that starts to weigh on a kid. They don't know why dad is angry. They put their trust in me to protect them and I let them down. It's very easy. And if that becomes habitual without teaching them what to do, which is to put your only trust in the Lord, which is, <coughs> excuse me, to have me repent and, and to teach them what forgiveness is and how we're made right in Christ. If you don't do that, you end up with bitter children who look at their parents and they say, well, I'm not going to mess up my kids the way that they messed me up. And the truth is, they're probably not going to mess up their kids the way their parents messed them up. They're going to mess up their kids in whole new and different ways because they're putting their trust in man, even themselves. And they make themselves out in that moment to be God, as if they're the arbiters of what is true and what is good and right. Now, we see this in the world, don't we? These people who say, put your trust in man. Or today it might be, put your trust in science that man comes up with. Or put your trust in the different agendas that are thrown at us. Or put your trust in the politicians. Or put your trust in a political ideology. Or put your trust in whatever it is. It's going to let you down somewhere. A person is going to do something wrong, say something wrong, have a secret revealed about them that 
well, it's just going to rub you the wrong way. And if you put your trust in that person and that ends up happening, your trust is going to be completely destroyed. You're going to dry up. You're going to wander through this life with no life in you whatsoever. You're going to be a nuisance. You're going to be in the way. You're just going to be out there blowing in the wind. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. And that's a big difference. Because when you put your trust in God, you all of a sudden begin to realize that you're putting your trust in God because of God. You're putting your trust in God because of what he's done for you, who he is to you. And you're putting your trust in him Because he himself is trust. Trust is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word pistis, which we often translate as faith. Faith and trust are very much the same thing. Our trust, our faith, is in the Lord. Because our faith comes from and is, in fact, the Lord's. You don't have faith that you created in him. It has been given to you. You can't rely on faith that you somehow make within yourself. That's be, it has to be trusted from outside of you because otherwise, if it's something that you create, if it's something that you can come up with, then all you're doing is being dependent on you. Just as if you put your trust in man. But when we put our trust in the Lord, when we put our faith in the Lord, when we recognize that everything we have in this life is from the Lord, then we grow. As this world moves us toward everlasting life, if we come to realize that that it's from the Lord and our life is the Lord, He's our only hope, our only trust, then, then we grow up. Not as shrubs that can't find the water, but as trees that have found themselves next to a river. You have as much choice in following after the Lord as a tree does as to where it's planted. But the Lord plants you next to his river. I think we've all probably heard that phrase that something is like drinking water from a fire hose. That's what it was for me in seminary. Every time the professors would teach us in class, it was like drinking water from a fire hose. You can get sips as your face gets blasted, but you can't get it all. And that's what it is to be in the Lord. The water races by you. You can't get everything, but there is a sure foundation in that water. There you are provided for all of the time. There you are given everything that you need in more. In rivers, not only is there water, but there's 
new dirt, which means new nutrients, a way for you to grow up and have life and have it abundantly. Rivers flood and and rivers retreat. And that's actually good because it brings new life to all the vegetation that grows in and around the river. That's why the Egyptians would, would look forward to every year when the Nile would flood because it would bring all kinds of nutrients from downriver and deposit it there at the delta and then the river would recede and all the water would go away and they could grow. And we are like that too. If you're trusting in the Lord where the water races over you more than you can even bear, And as it retracts and recedes, you find that you have everything that you need for life. You've got food and you've got drink. You've got life itself coming from God. That's what it is to put your trust in the Lord. After all, that very Lord that we trust in is Jesus Christ. The one who hung upon a tree for you. The one who took your sins to himself so that you wouldn't have to bear them yourself. And as he takes your sin from you, and he puts it upon the cross, you find that you are now free to flourish. There is no malediction for you. There is no malevolent disease within you. The people gathered to hear Jesus, and they heard his word and were healed. And so too, you hear his word, and are healed. You are given every good gift, even as all of the evil that is in you is taken away, as sin and death are taken from you, and as they're placed on the cross, you are left free to flourish, free to live with bad stuff of life and and sin coming at you, because what are they going to do to you? They're gone. That's the reason for the death of Christ, that you would have life. I mean, that's what Paul is saying in our epistle lesson. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then your faith, your trust is in vain. But because Jesus is raised from the dead, you too will be raised from the dead. You too will have life because Jesus has life. Because of Him. Because of the cross, because of what he's done for you, you will have life and have it abundantly. And then when the hardships of of this world come upon you, when drought comes, we, we look at that not as a forsaking of love, but as a time to teach us to wait. To know that the Lord still is going to come to us. The water is still going to be provided. And we still do exactly what it is that we are to do. Which is to have life and to bear fruit. We can bear up under a drought. We can bear up under scorching heat. Because the Lord has shown us that He is good. And that He will provide everything that you need. That's true. I mean, the world is going to come at you with everything that it has. It is going to try to burn you to a crisp. Why? Because it sees that it can do that to a whole bunch of people who put their trust not in God, but in man. And so the world thinks that it can do the same to you. But it can't. The world doesn't see that the river flows in and and through you. The world does not see how the word of God is pushing into you and bringing you life so that even if they were to chop you down, even if it makes you nothing, 
The world still can't take away the life that you have in Christ. The world is going to hit you with everything that it has and you will endure. Because what you have is greater than the world. What you have is greater than the drought that it wants to give us. You have Jesus and his word. The world can't make a drought when the Lord has given rivers of living and abundant water. So put your trust in the Lord. Look to his word. Look to his sacraments. See how he feeds you. See how he nourishes you. See how he waters you and gives you everything that you need in this place. And then even more as you go out from here. And know that this, what you have now, is merely a foretaste of that life which is to come. A life that is shared with him and with all who love him together. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.